Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Now we've been in a series for several weeks now entitled The Decisions That Determine Your Destiny. And today, as we celebrate the 15th anniversary, I want to incorporate that into this series. And we're going to be talking about dreams. But let me just say this, that through this series, we've been using the filter to look at our lives and say, how do we get the most out of the time that we've got left? Whether it's a whole nother decade plus, or if it's just a few years, we have no idea. Only God knows how much time total we have. But we want to make the most of it best filter, one of the best filters that we came up with is using this principle that's taught from Genesis to Revelation all through the Bible. It's called the harvest principle. That's what we're calling it. And it simply says that we reap what we sow. Now, this is taught in many places in Scripture, but one of the most blatant places is in a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament to some new believers in a city called Galatia. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, He says it just plainly. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Whatever one sows, that will she also reap. This applies to all of us, that you will reap what you sow, and so do I. You will reap only what you sow. And many times, I'm sure you've seen this too, both good and bad, we reap more than we sow. The few seeds that we put in the ground, sometimes it is way better than we thought. And sometimes the the bad seeds produce a huge harvest that's way worse than we thought. Lasts longer. It's more expensive. It's much tougher to get through it. It just, it's it's the way it is. And this is what Paul is saying. Like, God put this law in the universe, and so you need to use it to leverage it for your life with the help that Jesus provides. Now, what really what this law is showing us is that it assumes this correlation between our choices and the outcome of our life, that our choices have a direct bearing on how our life turns out. Therefore, and based on this incredible principle that God reiterates all throughout Scripture, the best predictor of the future, you want to be able to predict the future? Ask yourself, what am I sowing right now in my life? Like in the most important areas, and that's what we've been doing over the last several weeks, in your habits, in your belief system, in in your friendship circle. Last week, we talked about the power of your friends and how to pick better friends, how to to really think through that. And it needs needs more time. It needs more conversation than many of us give it. And this week, I want to take that focus and put it on your dreams and really ask the question, what dreams are you sowing right now in your life? We all have dreams. Everybody dreams. And these are the kind of dreams I'm talking about that we have during the day when we're awake, not the stuff that happens at night when we're asleep. The stuff that we intentionally focus on during the day. And everybody's got dreams. If you're a single person, just as a pastor, many conversations, many single people, not all, dream of being married someday, to have finding somebody to love and being in love for the rest of their life. Many couples that don't have children, they dream of having a baby someday. People who are unemployed dream of being employed. Students dream of graduation someday. Parents of students also dream of graduation someday. I can attest to that. I have two college students right now. My life, my house. And so, yes, we do. 
People dream of being fitter. People dream of vacationing and traveling places that they've never been before. People dream of owning their own home. People dream of starting a business to, to, do, to launch out and own their own business someday. People uh, dream of, uh, of maybe writing a book. Maybe you felt like, I got a book in me, and I just need to sit down and write it. Uh, I just need to write it, and you've just not done that. Maybe your dream is, I need to record some music. I feel like I have a song. I've been working on Maybe you've been working on it for years, and you just never have sat down and actually recorded it and put it out there for people to hear. Maybe you've got an entire album in you. You need to record it. You need to write it and produce it and get somebody to help you and get it out there. Maybe your dream is to go back to school and to finish your education or to start your education. Whatever the dream is, it's so important to pay attention to the dreams that God's put inside of us. And here's why dreams are so important. Dreams are the seeds of reality. You see, the dreams are the seeds from which reality sprouts, that it produces reality. Think about this for a minute. Everything you and I see in this world came about because of somebody dreaming it. And the phones that we all use every single day, some of you may have your phone out right now. That's okay. You may be taking notes on it. I'm glad you're doing that, okay? But your phone is here because somebody dreamed it up. Somebody conceived every single component of it, right? The car, the vehicle that you rode in to church this morning, somebody dreamed up every aspect, every part of that vehicle and put it all together to make it work properly so that you can use it every day, right? Uh, this, the chair that you're sitting in, somebody dreamed these things up. They fabricated it and made one and said, hey, you think we could sell these? Yeah, let's do it. And then they sold them to Brad's Fellowship. So, yeah. <laughs> We, we, everything, this building you're sitting in, this beautiful facility was dreamed up by a brilliant architect by the name of Ben Betcher. And let me just say, I have a picture right here of me and Ben. This is way back. I love this picture. It's one of the few with he and I in this building. It's maybe the first time he and I came in this building way back before it was a church. Many of you know it was a bar before it was a church, right? Uh, it was the opposite of a church. And so, um, but we were, this is one of our first times in the building, and Ben was such a brilliant architect. He designed literally every space that you or your children enjoy, both in this building and in the annex, all of these spaces that he dreamed them up, and he did not do it to get recognized. But this morning, I want to honor him for just a moment because he's such a critical part of our story. And two years ago on February 6th, Ben passed away. He dreamed up this place, but he never got to see his masterpiece completed. But I say he didn't get to see it. Guys, I think he arguably might have been the first to get to see it. He saw it with his mind's eye first before any of us got to see it. He saw it. He understood what would meet our need, what would help us. He took the gifts and talents and abilities that God had given him, and he leveraged them for the kingdom of God. It's incredible. He did this. He was an incredible servant of God. He was an incredible and loyal husband and a faithful father, a faithful friend to me. But he took this gift, this dream that was really given by God, and he fleshed it out so that we could experience it today. Really, one of the greatest gifts that Ben gave us was to show us, here's what it looks like, guys, for God to give you his dream for the world and then he went after it with all he had. 
He totally did. If you know anything about Ben, if you got to meet him, one of the most tenacious human beings I'd ever met in my life, okay? He was an incredible guy, an incredible friend to me. But he showed us what that looked like, to take the dream, the seeds of a dream, and carry it through to reality. And this morning, what I hope you to see before we go any further is that everything had to be conceived before it could be created. Even in the mind of God, before he created creation, he conceived it, he thought of it, he, he thought it into being. Incredible. So this morning, as we celebrate this 15th anniversary of Brazos Fellowship, it was brought to my attention this last week that the 15th anniversary is the crystal anniversary, hence why we gave you a crystal clear water bottle. <laughs> this is not crystal. We had to, you know, do this on a budget. Anyway... But we wanted to give you something that we felt like you could actually use, but that would be symbolic of the beautiful vision, the, the dream that God has given us for this place, that it has been crystal clear from the beginning. And, and here's the cool thing about the dream that God puts in your heart. The more you pursue it, the more crystal clear it becomes. The further you get down the road, the more the conviction, the passion, the clarity comes in clearer focus over and over and over again. And I say this to you this morning because I want you to see that God has dreamed a dream for you. He's got a dream that he wants to be crystal clear for your life as well. And he wants you to know what that is. And this morning, I want to give you some handles. I think some application points that can maybe help you in the process of thinking through and praying through, what is it God wants me to do about a favorable future? What does he want to do in my life to help me to act on my current circumstances that could bring about a greater future? And God wants to work in and through your life to do just that. So the question I want us to ask, basically, is what does God's dream require of me? Because his dream will require something of all of us. And let's talk about three requirements that God's dream will always have of us. Here's the first one. God's dream for you is going to require you to look beyond where you are, to look beyond your current circumstance and what you're going, what's going on right now in your life. And I want to give you an incredible uh, story from the Old Testament, an account of one of the most famous men to ever live, Abraham. Now, before he was Abraham, Abraham was the name that was given to him when he entered into this covenant with God. Before that, he was known as Abram. So we're catching him as a younger man. Uh, and he is getting ready to enter into this land of promise that God has told him about. And he has been blessed in the process of making his way over to the Israel area. He'd been blessed. And back then, wealth was measured by um, livestock, cattle and goats and sheep. And he had them by the hundreds of thousands. I mean, huge. You can only imagine it's like a traveling feedlot, right, coming through the land. And it wasn't just him, but also God had blessed his nephew, Lot. So there's two households, if you will, that were traveling together. And these herdsmen were beginning to get in conflict with each other because there was so much, so much, only so much land to graze, and they're fighting over who's going to get dibs on what area of the land. So Abram goes to Lot, and he says, look, we're family, and I don't want to strain this relationship. This is such a beautiful point, by the way, if you're having strained relationships in your family. Here's Abram. He gives us a great illustration of what to do. He says, listen, look, I don't want to be, there to be strained relationships between us, so I'm going to let you choose in a day when the patriarch of the family, which would have been him, always gets to pick first. 
He calls the shot. Boy, I'll tell you where you can take your sheep and you can do what, you, what, what you're going to do. I'll tell you. But he didn't do that. He says, I'll let you pick first. He was a servant at heart. You pick. You go left, I'll go right. You go right, I'll go left. You whatever. And, and I know God will bless us as we obey him. So he lets Lot pick. Lot picks poorly. Well, that's a whole other story, okay? And then um, Abram is turning now to a, a conversation with God. In verse 14 of Genesis chapter 13, I want to pick up that conversation. This is an awesome moment. It says, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, he says, lift up your eyes and, let's say it together, and, and look, look from the place where you are. Look from the place that you are. I want you to look northward and southward and eastward and westward. I want you to see here, God was asking Abram to look with more than just his physical eyes, but with the eyes of his heart, to begin to dream from this place that you are, where you are right now. And as we see in the next couple of verses, in just a moment, he's going to begin to get him to dream about what would be, what God is about to do, what's going to come about in the future. And he's trying to get him to look forward to a better day and a better future. It's incredible to see how God does this over and over in the accounts of the Bible. He does it with people right down to this day. In other words, he lets us see things sometimes. He lets us see things with the, the, the eye, uh, in terms of our dreams, with the eye of our mind before we get to see it with the eye, our physical eyes. We get to see it with our, the eyes of our heart before we see it with our physical eyes. He lets us see it first. And God did this over and over throughout the Bible Joshua and Caleb, the two men that God wound up using to bring his people ultimately into the promised land. They had dreamed of doing this for over 40 years. They had to hold on to this dream for 40 years. Would you be willing to hold on to God's dream for 40 years? It's a long time. They did, and they got to see it with their physical eyes come to pass. David was given this dream by God to create and build a temple unto God that would honor God and be a place of sacrifice. But David, and he assembled all the materials needed, the blueprints, everything, and he handed the dream to his son Solomon, who became the king after him. And Solomon took the dream, he owned it, and he brought it to pass. And he got to see it with his physical eyes. His daddy never did. He, was the, he started the dream and his son finished it. But we see God over and over using dreams like this of this possibility of the future, what God wants and where he's leading to, to lead his people into not only his will, but into a future that blesses them, their family, and the people far and long after them, long after they're gone. Just like the story I told you about Ben Betcher, that his contribution, his dream, it continues to bless us and bless all these children right down to this day, long after he is with the Lord. And, and, and it's true for all of us that this is what God wants. And what's interesting is the dream started in my heart back, it actually was in like 2004. We were at the time, Leslie and I were, my wife and I were living down in Mission, Texas, about three miles from the border of Mexico, where we started. And uh, we, I was pastoring a church down there at the time. And in a very real and literal sense, it was like God saying, I want you to um, look beyond where you are right now. I want you to begin to envision in the Brazos Valley what Brazos Fellowship could look like because it was radically different than what I was doing at the moment in the valley. And, 
it's incredible to see how God takes those visions, those, those, those dreams, if we're obedient to follow them, and how he blesses them and how he comes through. First, he's going to challenge us to look beyond where we are. Number two, God's dream for you requires God's power. He's going to put a dream in your heart that is impossible. It is not possible apart from his divine interaction, his power showing up. Here's what he said to Abram, verses 15 and 16. He says, for all the land that you see, what did he say? I will give you into your offspring forever. Let's say this together. One, two, three. I will make your offspring as, as the dust of the earth so that if anyone can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. He says, I will do these things. I will give you the land. I will give your, you, you so many descendants that you can't even count them all. No one can count. Like they're, they're so numerous. It's incredible. God says, I will show up and I will do these things. And as I think back over our story here at Brazos Fellowship, we had so many moments where I was just like, there is no way that Will can do this, but God will do something, right? I can't, there's no way. I can't do it. One of the first memories that I had where this took place was there were so many leading up to the launch of the church. But once we launched, about five months in, um, it, it came about that we were moving into a July 4th weekend, okay? It was actually July 3rd was on Sunday, and Monday was July 4th in a college town. And we're a brand new church. Guess who hangs around for that? Like us and the crickets. Nobody. And this is what it looked like in the, in the College Station Middle School cafetorium. Um, we met in there, set up the little junior high chair, so people were sitting in those super comfortable chairs. And we had this screen up here, put the worship on there, and, and the, like the whole thing. But here's the thing that happened. I'm telling you about this Sunday because it was the lowest attendance in the history of Brazos Fellowship, okay? It dropped below 100 people that day. And it was a day when we were also told that we had a power outage in that end of town. There was no power in the school at all. And if you've ever walked into that back part of the College Station Middle School, you know there's like this 50-yard-long hallway you've got to walk down to get to the cafetorium down there. There's no light. It's dark. Like when you're starting a church, let me just give you a little hint into the world of church starting, right? Everybody's asking the question, are you some kind of cult, right? Are you a cult? You're trying to overcome this like, no, we're not a cult. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, we're not a cult, okay? And, but they show up this Sunday, and it's this dark, haunted-looking school. And we're asking them to drop their kids off over here and come into the service. And it was like uh, unplugged, but not like the cool like MTV unplugged. This was like the ouch unplugged. You know, like, we're doing the best we can unplugged kind of thing. And so the band was just literally sitting on the edge of the stage, and, and we, we had worship that morning. And then I had this like sermon illustration I was really jazzed about. I brought this huge stump, no kidding. It was like that big around, that big, and I was going to split this log in front of everybody, right? And it was like a metaphor for the wedge of sin getting between us and God and how it splits us. And, and so I had this big, you know, iron wedge, and I'm like, got this like 16-pound sledgehammer. What in the world was I thinking? This is way overkill. I'm like, ting, ting. And I mean, I like laid into it hard and like just kept hitting it. And there was like chunks of wood flying and people were like, oh my gosh, let me hit the wood. And it was just like, it was hot. 
I mean, it's July in Texas, man. It was dark and weird, and I was just like, end of the service, I'm like, maybe we are a cult. I don't even know anymore. This is just like, what? I left there telling Leslie, I'm like, okay, that's it. Nobody's going to come back after that one. That's just, that was really bad. I mean, I can't even blame anybody else for it. It was totally my fault, and uh, and I was just like, God, I know you called us here, and I know this was your dream, but I just don't know if it's even going to work. And about six weeks later, we saw over those next weeks, the attendance climb, 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 up to about 300 plus. And it was incredible to see how God was like, I got this. I, I will make a way. I will make this work. My power will. And like God worked in spite of me, not because of me, okay? I'm just telling you. There were so many reasons why it shouldn't have worked the first year. I'm like feeling my way through the dark. I'm like trying to figure. I'm talking to every pastor, every church planter, starter that I can talk to, trying to learn everything I can, all my brains and all the brains I could borrow, right? Like that, that's how we approached it and talking to constantly people. But God ultimately made it work, and it was amazing to see. The next year, 2006, we're getting to a place where we're, we're kind of outgrowing the cafetorium, we need to move out. The school's kind of gently placing some pressure and not so gently like it's time for y'all to find a home, you know, you need to get out of the school. And so we start looking around, start praying. Well, somebody mentions this particular property here. So we come over and take a look at it. At the time, it was Times Square, a nightclub, okay? It was a club. And um, the cop, police officers that used to work uh, in College Station back at those times would say some of the worst calls we ever got in the history of being on the force were at this location, okay? This is not the kind of nightclub that where the greatest stuff went down. So um, we're uh, praying about this place. We call, find the owner, he, he, an attorney out of um, San Antonio, and get a hold of him. He says, no, it's not available. The nightclub's actually trying to buy it right now, trying to get a loan. And so I just told our staff and volunteers, I said, hey, let's just pray. Let's just see if God won't like Jericho, let's just march around the walls. If you're over on that tar- part of town, drive through the parking lot. Let's just pray and see if God won't just break down the barriers of, that's keeping us from this place. And I remember one day, I'm like, I'm meeting somebody, some guys over here at Gold's Gym to work out. And so I think, okay, I'm going to do what I've asked everybody to do. I'm going to drive through, I'm praying, and I pull up in here, and there's these pickups with flatbed trailers. You can even see some of them. This was the next day. There's still some flatbed trailers. Some flatbed trailers, they're loading like some of the pool tables and the TVs out of the bar. And I'm like, what is happening? So we get in touch with the owner, and he's saying, I'm so glad you called us. That's my stuff. I don't know what they're doing. So anyway, an hour later, when I get through working out, come back, and there's about four College Station PD officers parked out in front, shutting that whole moved party down. And then the attorney calls us back, and he says, thank you so much for calling me. You guys still interested? Uh, yes, sir, we are still interested. He says, I'll be there tomorrow. Come see me at this location. We come and talk to him. He says, listen, I'll work with you. Make me an offer. We made a horrible offer, like not a great offer. And he wrote back, I told you I'd work with you. Let's do it. I couldn't believe it. At a time when we couldn't get financing, we were only about 18 months old. And all the banks are saying, you need at least three years of financial records before we'll loan you any money. Like he says, I'll owner finance it for you. I'm going to help you. 
God says, I will make a way. I'm going to use this guy and give you favor with this guy that doesn't even know you. This attorney from San Antonio is going to drive into town, and he's basically going to offer the place to you. It's unbelievable to see what God did. His power that was displayed and represented in that moment, and it was beautiful to see God saying, this dream is for me, and this is why I'm blessing it. It's powerful. And number three, God's dream for you requires you step out on faith. You've got to act on the dream. It's not enough to just dream. You got to be willing to act on the dream. Put the, the, the dream into action. And here's what God says to Abram in verse 17. He says, Arise, let's say it together, arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. There is this arise and walk moment that God's going to bring you and I to when it comes to dreams. Well, you can't sit on this dream any longer. you got to rise. you got to stand up and let's start moving. You, I've asked you to raise your eyes and look from the place you are. I've told you my power will assist you and make this possible. Now it's time for you to arise and walk and to begin to put faith in action, the dream into action. It was so powerful when Leslie and I, First felt that call of God, and there we were, three miles from the border of Mexico. I was pastoring this little church in South Texas. But there was this rise and walk moment that God says, okay, if you're going to say yes to planting this church in the Brazos Valley, you need to sell your home. You need to say goodbye to your church that you started from scratch, and all of your friends you need to say goodbye to, and you need to start raising some money, serious money. If you've ever started an organization of any kind, you know it ain't cheap. Like, it's expensive. And we had to start raising money with everybody and anybody that we knew that we felt like could share the dream with us. And it was incredible to see how God, one after another after another, God blessed that he took that dream that he allowed us to see with the eyes of our heart and let it come to pass so that we could see it with our physical eyes. But it was because we were willing to arise and walk to begin to follow where God was leading and today I want to ask you the question, what is God's dream for you today? What is he wanting you to dream? How, where is he saying, all right, it's time for you to lift up your eyes and look from the place that you are. I, mean, I know that you maybe have been through a, a hellacious chapter in your marriage, but it is time to lift up your eyes and look from the place that you are. And God's saying, and I, I want better, and we can do better together. I want you to lift up your eyes from that career that you feel like is dead in, and it is killing your soul to stay there and do this every single day. Maybe it's time, God's saying, I hope this is a burr under the saddle saying, it's time for you to lift your eyes and let me help you to dream the dream that you haven't dared to dream, to look forward Maybe it's God putting a dream in your heart to start something and do something that has scared you so bad, but it's time to step out and do this. Maybe for you as a family, you're moving into a brand new chapter. Maybe you're, you're empty nesters or your kids are moving into a new chapter, and it's time for you. To, I had a friend that challenged me just recently to say, Will, it's time for you to dream a new dream for your family, because my girls are all growing up, and they're getting out of the house, and we're getting closer and closer to being empty nesters. And I mean, there's sadness that goes with that. Am I right? Like, it's hard. It's difficult. And it's not their fault. It's just like you want them to be all little again. 
But time doesn't move that direction. It goes this way. You've got to dream a new dream. Look out in front and say, God, where are you taking us? What do you want? And be willing to look out in front and say, I'm going to arise and walk and follow you, God. And it is a daily walk of trusting him and following him. And I say it's a walk, but you know what's interesting? The more I think about it, it's like you are, you're, you're, you're kind of learning to step to the rhythm of God's will and to his truth, his word. And it's, there is a rhythm to it because sometimes it feels like you're taking two or three steps forward and you take one back. It wasn't necessarily God's fault, but it's kind of like this it's kind of like this dance, that you're learning how to dance to the rhythm of God's dream and His truth for your life. And you listen. When God says, speed up, you speed up. And when He says, slow down, you slow down. And you listen and you take time for people and you, you learn to dance. And right now, I'm going to invite the band back out here on the stage. And as they come, I just want to challenge you with this metaphor of the dance. It's simply putting the dream in action. The dance is simply putting the dream in action. And, and I just want to challenge you this morning to consider what does that look like for you? What is the dream that God's saying it's time for you to rise your eyes and to look to the future? And there's, this is something that's going to scare you because it's only possible with my power, but it is time for you to arise and walk and to begin to dance to the rhythm of my dream and my will for your life. And that is our prayer for you today. And I just want to invite you into a moment of prayer with me. And in this prayer, I'm just asking you, if you'd be willing to pray, just ask Jesus, help me to lift my eyes from the place that I am right now and give me your dream for the future, for the future of my family, for me. What do you want, Lord? What do you want me to do? And help me to have the faith to step out and dance with you to let him take the lead and let him show you what's going to happen. But you follow him even when the times are tough, even when you want to give up, even when it's really difficult, it's really challenging that you would be willing to continue to dance, to dance and to be willing to keep the dream alive between you and him, to trust his power to provide for you even when your power is gone because he will absolutely take you to that place and you've got to be willing to trust him in that place. Some of you are there right now. You feel like I am in my, I mean, hanging by a thread, this marriage, our future, our family, our finances, our, our career, whatever. And it's time to say, God, we need your help. Raise your eyes from where you are and let him help you to dream a new dream. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.